Welcome to the Denver United Church Sermon of the Week. Here's a message from Pastor George Towers. What's up, y'all? How you guys doing? Are you good? So glad that you're here in the building or watching online. We are in a series that is called Together. Uh, and the title of the series comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Um, and it says that Christ died for us so that we might live together with him. Um, And in this series, we're sort of asking the question, what does it mean for us to be the church? What does it mean for us to live together horizontally with God vertically? And Jesus said, hey, I will build my church, um, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that there is no force that is strong enough to squelch out the movement that Jesus is initiating and sustaining. He's like, I'm going to do it. Now, no promises on your church or my church, or Pastor Rob, or Pastor Mari's church, but he said, I will build my church, and nothing is going to stop it. So every year uh, around this time, we like to sort of pause and go back to to step one and say, what does it look like for us to build Jesus's church, right? The type of church that cannot and will not fail. So if you've missed uh, either the last past couple of weeks, go back and get caught up. They will be online as long as the internet exists, Uh, but we're going to dive in today. Are y'all ready for the word of God today? Do you have an expectation? Like, I believe when we sit, like, on the edge of our seats, like, like physically or spiritually, that God often meets us to the level of our expectation. Do you believe God's going to speak to you today? If you can, can you put your hands together real quick? Yeah. I realized one of the other things I wasn't prepared for was preaching to your masks. Like, it's a little bit difficult. You know, like, sometimes y'all will smile at me when I'm up here, and I don't, I can't see it. So we have to come up with a new system. Like, can you give me some of this Sometime, like if it's good, if, I, if I'm saying something good, just hit me with a random thumbs up. Uh, if it's awkward or bad or weird, give me one of these. Like give me some way of gauging where we are in the room. Okay, cool. So we're going to dive in to Mark chapter number six. We're going to read a bunch. Uh, so if you have your Bible, get it out. If not, just follow along on the screen. Uh, and we're going to read Mark six, starting at verse number six. It says this, Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals. Thank you for that, Jesus, for that concession. You're too kind. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. They cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. We're going to skip ahead to verse number 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead of them along the shore, uh, ran ahead of them on the shore to get ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. Someone shout, you feed them. 
Oh, that wasn't a shout. That was like a mumble. Come on, say, you feed them. Yeah. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples to have people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the loaves, the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Come on, that's just a good like, passage all by itself, right? So I want to take the next 22 minutes um, and talk to you from this passage. The title of my message is, You Feed Them. You Feed Them. Can we pray? Is that okay? Mari, I love you. Thanks for the thumbs up. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Amen. Amen. Y'all know I love short prayers. I love short prayers, which is probably why I like the gospel of Mark, because the gospel of Mark is just straight action, like it's thing to thing. Like Mark, who wrote this gospel, likely got most of his information from the apostle Peter, and he's just not messing around. In the, in the gospel of Mark. He gets right to it. There's not even a mention of the birth of Jesus in Mark's gospel. He just skips it. There's no baby Jesus. It fast forwards to full grown hair on his chest Jesus at 30 years old, right? He shows up to the Jordan River to get baptized by his cousin John. And at that baptism, the voice of God speaks from the clouds and says, this is my dearly beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I love that about God. That he, he expressed his pleasure over Jesus before he had done a single miracle, a single act. He just says, hey, I love you because of who you are. I love that about God, that his love for us, his approval for us is not tethered to our performance and what we do. It's tethered to who we are as sons and daughters of God. He says, I'm pleased with you. And they baptize him and the spirit descends on Jesus and he goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And he comes back and he launches into his ministry, and he begins to recruit uh, his first disciples, inviting people to follow him. He said, follow me. And when we hear that phrase, follow me, uh, we might think of like Twitter or like social media or like, hey, just come hang out with me for a while. But there's so much more to that phrase. Follow me was like a rabbinic term. It was a term that rabbis would use to invite people to be disciples of the rabbi. And this was reserved for like the super elite and educated of that society. These kids would go to school at an early age and have to memorize like large portions, if not the entirety of the Torah. And if they were lucky enough, man, they would hope that they would hear the phrase, follow me from a rabbi. Like they, that was an elite thing to be asked to do, especially not expected for fishermen and tax collectors and the type of people that Jesus was inviting to follow him, which might explain why they dropped everything. They dropped their, their careers, their professions at the chance to be a follower of a rabbi. And it wasn't just an intellectual ascent. It wasn't like, hey, follow me and memorize these steps. The reason a rabbi would invite people to follow them was they would want the disciples, the, the students, to go and do what the rabbi was doing. The whole point was like on-the-job training, sort of. We see this in Luke chapter 6, verse number 40. Jesus says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. The whole point is, hey, follow me so I can show you how I live so that you can go and do the things that I have been doing. So Jesus recruits his followers, 
And he begins to preach about the kingdom of God and perform crazy signs and miracles. And his popularity explodes. Like, they've got thousands and thousands of people following them at this point. And in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 is like the third year of Jesus' ministry. And it's at this time where he starts to look at his 12, his inner circle, and say, all right, I think now's the time that y'all are ready to go and do some of the stuff that I have been doing. So he gets them together in groups of two, and he sends them out to preach the gospel and to cast out evil spirits and to heal the sick. And if I'm one of those 12, I'm sort of like, I don't feel ready for this moment. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing for Jesus, like Jesus, one thing for you to do it. You're Jesus. You're kind of God in stuff. Right? Like, he has the ultimate cheat code on the whole system. It's one thing for you to do it. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm not sending you out on your own. I'm giving you authority to go and do these things in my name. So they go out two by two, and turns out it works. Like, they come back, and they're like, Jesus, we did, we did what you were doing. We were teaching and preaching, and everything was, all, like, Peter had a message that was, eh, like, it was a little off. But other than that one, it was really, really good. And, and we were, and Jesus, you know, he has to be excited. Like, man, these are my guys. Like, they're doing it. And he says, hey, it's been a long stretch. Y'all have been busy. Let's get away so we can rest and be by ourselves. So they get in a boat and attempt to find a quiet place to rest and recover. But it says that some people saw them on the boat and tried to run ahead. Like, can you imagine this scene? Like, they're on the boat trying to find a quiet place. And it says that the crowd ran ahead of them on the shore. So like they're in the boat and they look over and all they see is this. Like people are just like, like how awkward is that? A whole crowd just run. And they're like, I don't think we're going to get ahead of them. So Jesus gets out. He sees the crowd and it says he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And even though he was tired and weary, he starts to teach them many things. And it starts to get late. The disciples come to him and say, hey, these people are hungry. And we are on the cusp of one of Jesus' most like, famous miracles in all of the gospel where he feeds the multitudes. And if you've been in church any length of time, you know this story well. Like, I'm a church kid. Like, I don't remember a time in my life where I was not in church. So I've heard so many sermons on this passage because there's so many different angles right, that you can approach it from. Like you could approach it from the compassion of Jesus. Right, that when he sees people that are lost and wandering and don't have a home, his heart is to pull people in and give them a space to belong. Like you could preach from that perspective. Or maybe like the little bit, right, that it was, that it was two fish and five loaves, right? And God can take your little bit. Come on, somebody in this place, right? Like, how many of y'all only got a little bit of faith, a little bit of finances? Maybe you only got a little bit of good looks, but God can take your little bit. And the little bit in the hands of an amazing God is more than, a, like, uh, that's the kind of church I grew up in. Like, you could do something like that. Or maybe you preach on the leftovers, right, that there were 12 baskets left over. And we serve a God of not just enough, but we serve a God that is more than enough. He wants you to sit. He wants to see you home with, do someone say, doggy bag blessing, right? Like, like there's all kind of ways you can go. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so while all those perspectives, I think, are well and good and true and applicable, I want to look at it today uh, for the next few minutes just from the perspective of the disciples. I want to look at this passage through their perspective. So Jesus has been teaching many things. They come to him and they say, hey, uh, Jesus, this sermon is good. Top three all time. You're, you're killing it. Um, it's just getting late. It's getting late, and we're out in the middle of nowhere, and the people are hungry. 
So we should like wrap so they can go and eat. The people are hungry. And Jesus, his response to them is he says in verse 37, he says, you feed them. I love their response. They say, with what? Like, like a translation, excuse me? Like, I think you're confused, Jesus. Let me step back and break it down for you so you can understand this. There's a lot of people here. There's thousands and thousands of people. Um, and we don't have anything, right? Like, which is why I'm coming to you. But Jesus' response is, no, uh, you, you do it. And this might feel random that Jesus would put this on his disciples and ask them to feed the people, but I don't think it should be random. It will be random to us when we realize where it's placed. Like we see what happened just before this moment. Jesus has just sent his disciples out, given them authority to do the things that Jesus had been doing. He had just sent them out and they came back and said, it worked. It was amazing. We were able to do things because you gave us the authority to. And it's right against this moment here that we see Jesus doing the same thing. He's still sending them out. He still wants to see them do the work of the ministry. And he says, you feed them. You do it. And he, sa- and they, and he says, he sa- okay, um, what do you have? Like, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. So they go and find out, and they bring back five loaves and two fish. And I never noticed this until this week. Jesus asked them, how much bread do you have? And they came back with bread and fish. And I just believe that we have more to work with in our lives than we give ourselves credit for. Like there is so much that God has given us to use where if Jesus sends you to look for bread, you'll probably come back with some fish too because he's given us so much more to work with. But that's not the sermon. That's what this passage does. It makes you try to do other things, right? So, so they, they bring it back and they give it to Jesus. And I want you to see what Jesus does. He takes the the two fish and the five loaves, and it says he looks up towards heaven and he blesses them. And it says that he he breaks the bread and he keeps giving it to the disciples so that they can distribute it to the people. That he keeps giving it to the disciples so they can distribute it to the people. So so Jesus breaks it and they come and they get it, Ah, got it, and they distribute it. They come back to Jesus and get more. (laughs) This is crazy, he's doing it. They get more, and they distribute it. They come back to Jesus. There's like 25,000 people. This is going to take a while. I want you to see this. They keep coming back, distributing, getting it, and distributing. Jesus kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. Now, question, who fed the crowd that day? Was it Jesus or the disciples? I would say yes. Right? It was both of them. They partnered together in the work. And I think Jesus wanted it that way on purpose. Because if Jesus is powerful enough for multiplication, he's certainly powerful enough for distribution. Right? If he's powerful enough to take a two-piece fish dinner with extra biscuits and multiply it to feed thousands and thousands of people, he's certainly able to make that food appear on a placemat right in front of everybody that was present there that day, right? If he's powerful enough for multiplication, he's not lacking in power to distribute this food, but he wanted to partner together with his people to do the work of the ministry. He wanted a partnership with people. He wanted to work with them in partnership. And we see this pattern of partnership all throughout 
the scripture. That rarely will you find God doing any work on the earth without partnering with a person to do it. Remember in the Old Testament when God wants to establish a family for himself, his own special possession, what does he do? He finds Abraham and Sarah. And any God powerful enough to create the universe out of nothing, right, is certainly powerful enough to generate a people for himself out of thin air. But he says, no, 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 I want to work through you, Abraham and Sarah. When his people are in slavery and he wants to liberate them, what does God do? He finds Moses. And any God powerful enough to hurl the stars up into the sky is certainly powerful enough to beam up his people out of Pharaoh's grip and teleport them to the promised land all by himself. He's not lacking in power, but he said, no, no, no. Moses, I want to work through you. You go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. We see this all throughout Scripture. Think about how Jesus gets into the earth. God partners with Mary. Jesus could have certainly just descended, like down in, do you like the descension? Did you see it? The the slow... He could have just like showed up by himself, but he said, no, no, I want to work through you. I want you to see this pattern. Remember when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead? He speaks into the tomb, and Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb and grave. That was where the Harlem Shake originated, was with Lazarus. He was the first one to shake. And he comes out, Jesus raised him, and then he tells the people, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus raised him, and they unwrapped him. He's like, I want y'all to be in on this work. I want to work through you. Remember the blind man. Jesus finds a man that was born blind, and he puts mud all over his face and then tells the man to go wash himself in the pool of Siloam. Jesus was certainly powerful enough to just heal that man by himself. But he says, no, I want to work with you on this miracle. I'll wash, you rinse, and we're going to do this thing together. That is the power of participation that we see all throughout the Scripture. And the verse that I think makes this super plain is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. And this is in the Passion Translation. It says, Paul says, we are co-workers with God. And you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. That we are co-workers together with God. He wants to partner with us in his work in the world. He said it's the house he is building. He's going to build it, but he's not going to build it without us. He wants us to partner with him in his work. And if there's one idea I want to leave you with today, it's that Jesus' desire is to build together with us. That Jesus' desire is to build together with us. What does it mean for us to be the church in this season? We are invited to build together with Jesus. And if I'm being honest, sometimes my default setting is to sort of think that God is going to move and work and build apart from me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty good at bringing my needs to Jesus. The things that I see, and sort of like the disciples, I, I, I find myself doing that a lot, where I, I come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, the the people are hungry. Or, uh, Jesus, there's a whole bunch of people experiencing homelessness in this area, and it just is on my heart, and I just want to just. Or, Jesus, what about the, the elderly in this season? I think they've been overlooked and undervalued and underappreciated, and I just want to just bring. 
Or, or Jesus, God, what about the injustice that I see in this world and it seems like it's getting worse and it's on my heart and I just want to just bring that to. And I feel like Jesus' response to me, maybe to us, is the same that he gave to his disciples that day. Jesus, the, the people are hungry. And he says, you feed them. You feed them. Is it possible, man, that, that some of the things that God is, we're asking God to do, that he wants to do it together with us? God, the people are hungry. You feed them. Question for you, what, what has God put in your hand that can do something about what is on your heart? What has God put in your hand that can do something, not everything, but that can do something about what is on your heart. He said, hey, Jesus, the people are hungry. And he said, what do you have? How much bread do you have? Maybe you're someone that's like, I don't have a lot to give. I don't have, don't worry about how much it is. Jesus handles multiplication. He's in charge of multiplication. It's our job to be distributors. When we bring God the little bit that we do have, when we bring God our time, our finances, our resources, our presence, our words of encouragement, and we just say, here's what I have, he will multiply it and do more with it than we could ever imagine. But he's going to turn back at us and say, now distribute it. You feed them. I can only imagine, like, what it would have been like to, to be one of the disciples, right, to, to have that up-close front court courtside seat to the work of Jesus, to be there that day, right? Like taking the food and like distributing it and just seeing God work in that moment. But maybe you didn't know this, but Jesus is not here anymore, like bodily. Did you know that? Like he's not walking up and down Broadway, multiplying GBs, fish and chips, you got the one chuckle. <laughs> you got it. And, and feeding the masses. Like, he's not here bodily anymore. But I want you to, like, hear this with your spirit today. Like, I just... 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Even though Jesus is not here, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that all of us together are Christ's body. And that each of us each of you are a part of it. That even though Jesus is not here physically, that all of us together, someone shout out together. All of us together are the, the, the representation of the body of Christ in the earth. That we are Christ's body. And that's one of those things where I believe it here sometimes, but I wonder if I really let that sink in. That we are the body of Christ. And if that's true, I wonder if some of the things that we've been asking God to do, Lord, we ask for your hand to move in this city. Lord, we, we ask for, the, for you to encourage the brokenhearted. God, we ask that you would bring comfort to those who are experiencing pain and loss. If we are the body of Christ, when we ask for God's hand to move, he might ask for our hand to move. 
if we ask for God to encourage the brokenhearted, he might ask to borrow my mouth to speak his words to someone who is experiencing pain. If we are the body of Christ, if we ask for God to bring comfort, he might ask to borrow my legs to show up for somebody who's experiencing pain or to borrow my Toyota RAV4 to show up and bring that comfort because we are the body of Christ, all of us together. And that's what our do good days are all about for the rest of this year. It's simple ways for us to show up and embody Christ for some people that need it. And it may not feel like a lot. It may feel like two fish and five loaves where it's like, it's just Scrabble. I'm just buying Scrabble. for. But God will take the little bit that you do have and he will multiply it, but he's still going to want to work together with us. That's what we're turning our attention to for the rest of this year, saying, God, how, are, how do you want to build your church together with us? How do you want to allow me to be a partner in the work that you're doing in this time and place? God's going to build his church, but he wants to do it together with you. Would you stand to your feet? I want to read one more passage to you, and then we're going to pray and be done. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. <laughs> For he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Is anybody glad that God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light? That he has forgiven your sins and separated them from you as far as the east is from the west, that he has brought you into the family of God, not because of anything you've done, but because of his grace and his mercy and that we are God's possession. Man, that's what the gospel of Jesus is all about. And it's from that reality it says that we can show others the goodness of God that we can be the body of Christ. Even though he's not here physically, all of us together can show up and show people what God looks like in flesh and blood. The second part of that passage says that we are the body of Christ, but each of us is a part of it. And that's the question I want to leave with you today. God, what's, what's my part? What would you have me to do? What, what is in my hand that can do something about what is on my heart? How do you want to partner with me in building your church here and now, specifically in this season? Like, if someone would have told you what 2020 was going to be about, would you have believed them at the beginning? Like, what? But, but, but now, in the middle of all of this, Jesus says, I'm still building my church. And nothing is going to stop it. Coronavirus can't stop it. Racial tension can't stop it. Unemployment can't stop it. Global recession can't stop it. I'm going to build it, but I'm not going to do it without you. You feed them. God, what part do you want me to play now in this season to partner with you in your work? And I believe God's going to show it to us. He wants to build. He's going to build. And the same thing he told the disciples, I just submit to you from the Spirit of God today. You feed them. You do it. And here's what I love. Jesus kept giving them the bread so that they could distribute it. They weren't working independent from Jesus. They kept coming back to him again and again. Distribute, 
I'm coming back. I can't do this without you. I'm coming back. We come, and a lot of times we get stuck in either extreme, right? We're on one side, we got a lot of people that are out doing stuff, and they're doing it all on their own. They ain't coming back to Jesus at all. I got this. No, you don't. We are dust, <laughs> but filled with the Spirit of God, we can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can. Man, we can do a lot. So some people get stuck on this side where they're moving and working without him, but on the other side, some of us get stuck over here at Jesus' feet, just wanting, God, would you, God, would you? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Distribute. Let's go. He wants to build and work together with us. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask what are you speaking to us through this message? What do you want me to do with this? God, what have you put in my hand that can do something about what's on my heart? God, we don't want to be people that simply sit at your feet and ask for you to do the work. But neither do we want to be people that are out trying to do a bunch of good without you. God, we need you. We want to build together with you. Holy Spirit, would you show us the part that we are to play in showing people the body of Christ? Would you show us and lead us into what you would have us do to partner with you in this season? Would you give us the boldness and the grace to distribute? You do the multiplying, we distribute. God, show us what you want us to do to show people the goodness of God in this season. And Lord, I ask that anything I said today that was just me, <laughs> God, will we just forget that? Men in black, boom, like get it out of our minds. But anything that's from your spirit, God, would you allow it to challenge us and to encourage us and to lead us as we partner with you in your work this week? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love y'all so, so much. Y'all are the best. Thank you so much for being here today. And um, I just want to remind you, please go and sign up for that Do Good Day uh, as we serve our seniors. Just one of those things where you're like, should I pray about it? Jesus is like, nah, just go. Just distribute. And you'll go to, just go to the website, sign up. You'll see all the different ways that you can do it. Uh, but we just hope that you are encouraged, that you have left this place feeling better than when you came. And may God go with you. May God bless you and keep you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great Sunday. We hope you've been encouraged this week. For more information or to submit a prayer request, go to denverunited.com. 